The Drive with Josh Graham on Sports Hub Triad. Let the Coach K retirement tour begin. So glad you're with us on a Wednesday drive. Former Coach K assistant, now ESPN analyst Chris Patola will be here in about a half hour. We usually don't call for phone calls right off the jump, but with news such as this, something we've talked about for years, with both Roy Williams before he retired on April Fool's Day and Coach K announcing after next basketball season he's going to retire. I'd love to hear from you guys in the audience. 336-777-1600 on Twitter at WSJS Sports. Robert actually told me the news. I was preparing a show. We were going to talk about LeBron losing last night, laying an egg against Phoenix. Then he walks out of the studio and tells me, Welp, our show's completely changed. This is shortly after 1 o'clock. Our show's completely changed. I think I need a cigarette. I'm like, what happened? Well, Coach K's retired. I heard that from Robert, and immediately I got bummed out at the idea that this next basketball season, there will neither be Coach K nor Roy Williams on the sideline for a Duke Carolina game. That's kind of a bummer. I did not want Coach K to go out that way. It would have been like if Roy Williams went out last year in the pandemic season, not having an NCAA tournament, and coming off a losing year. Then I checked my social media, and I saw Jeff Goodman said, it's after the next season. And I became grateful for that. It was a sigh of relief. I'm thankful Coach K is giving himself one more year because he deserves a victory lap. He's received, think about it this way, he's received more scorn, more hate than any other college sports coach over the last 40 years. I don't even know who else would be in that discussion, but nobody's been hated in college sports more than Mike Krzyzewski over the last 40 seasons. So him announcing he has one more year, I think it's about damn time. Rather than the booing and the hate and the scorn, he receives some appreciation as the all-time wins leader. Three Olympic gold medals. Even from Carolina fans. When he goes into the Smith Center next season, is he going to get cheered or is he going to get booed? It kind of reminds me of Kobe's final year with the Lakers. We knew he was going to retire. We knew this was it. One of the most hated figures in sports at one point who didn't mind being the villain. He called himself the Black Mamba, for God's sake. He was no longer booed. He was given gifts on a retirement tour. He was appreciated because of how great he was. It transcended fandom. You've been in my life this long. I've molded my plans. I've molded my schedules around watching your teams play. So when Kobe went into the Boston Garden and was cheered, that was a seminal moment. And I think we're going to see a lot of this during Coach K's retirement tour. And I think it's warranted. He could not go out a loser with last season being his finale, missing the tournament after making 25 in a row. The last time we saw Coach K coach in the tournament, it was the Zion team in 2019 because of the pandemic of 2020. Losing in the Elite Eight to Michigan State by a point. This past year, no fans at Cameron Indoor Stadium all year long. That'd be a sad way to get closure. Now, next season, the way that the schedule works, the final regular season game Coach K coaches, the final time he coaches inside Cameron Indoor Stadium is going to be against Hubert Davis and the Tar Heels, the way it should be. Plus, next year's team, it should contend. You've got Mark Williams back, Wendell Moore back, Jeremy Roach back, 
three of the top 19 players, according to 24-7, in the recruiting class, plus transfers. Theo John from Marquette, for example. This is going to be a preseason top 10 team. And this is going to be the biggest story in college sports this next season, the retirement tour for arguably the greatest college basketball coach of all time. So this is massive news. 336-777-1600 is the phone number if you want in on today's show. We'll get to your calls after we hear from Roy Williams, who was walking off of a golf course. He's living his best life since retiring, man. A lot of baseball, a lot of golf courses. This was his reaction, the audio coming from our friend Chapel Fowler, who's a reporter here in the state of North Carolina, uh, catching Roy walking off the golf course. Rainstorm coming in, but I think, you know, it's, it's everybody knows it's coming. Uh, but Mike's been fantastic for the game of basketball. He's been fantastic for college basketball. He's been fantastic for the ACC, the greatest rivalry in sports, Duke, North Carolina basketball. Uh, he's been a good friend. He's been a guy I've respected a great deal. He made everybody bring their A game for years and years and years. Uh, in the old days, it was a little easier. There weren't as many teams. There weren't as many teams in the Final Four, some other things. I mean, I can remember when the ACC was a 17 league, now it's 15. But he's just been phenomenal in everything he's done. Uh, uh, the only thing wrong with Mike Krzyzewski is he doesn't play golf. That's the only thing wrong Roy Williams starting with, everybody knew this was coming. Looking at it from a recruiting perspective, there were some in the recruiting world who have hinted at this the last couple of months, saying, look how loaded this 2021 Duke class is and how the last decade they've stacked recruiting class after recruiting class, and it seemed pretty clear the direction of the program year after year. You can scout it out a couple years ahead of time. Well, the 2022 class is not loaded by any means. It's bare. So there were some starting to think, mm, maybe Coach K is looking at 2021-2022 being his final season. 336-777-1600. Let's go to Ed in Winston-Salem up first. He's a Tar Heel fan. Ed, your reaction to Coach K saying that next year is going to be his last at Duke? Uh, I really, you know, I'm a big Carolina fan, but I respect uh, Coach K and the Duke program and what he's accomplished over the last, you know, 40-plus uh, years. And I think John Shire will eventually do a good job. Uh, my only concern, and it's going to be the same thing with uh, Carolina and Hubert Davis for a while, is the recruiting aspect. And like you just pointed, I've been an avid recruiting fan for 50-plus years, too, and this 22 class is not as loaded as this class. And it'll be interesting to see. Uh, they only have 10 people in the class this year. And uh, you've got three seniors, and you're probably going to have three or four of those remaining seven, not counting the seniors, that's going to be going the pro route, and you may have some transfer. So John Shire definitely, for the first year or two, I think will struggle recruiting. But after that, I think he'll get them back on uh, board. And unlike your uh, comments, too, on the recruiting aspect. Oh, yeah. Well, we didn't even get to the John Shire piece of this, but I think we have to. Woj, he's stealing... I think Jeff Goodman's corner a little bit, Robert. Appreciate the call, by the way, Ed. Yeah. That uh, you see this, Robert? That Woj is jumping in on the college basketball news a bit. Yeah, kind of crazy. But I feel like Schefter might. I, I, it wouldn't surprise me, like if something happened with Nick Saban, if Schefter double dipped. So I, I can see why Woj would be a little interested. Right. Also, Woj needs to sharpen things up a bit because when this is what Woj reported. Duke talked to outside candidates about replacing K, including Tommy Amaker, sources tell ESPN. Shire is Duke's top choice to replace K. He was the lead recruiter on such stars as Jason Tatum and Zion. I don't think that's true. I don't think Shire was the top recruiter. I think that was Jeff Capel at that time because Capel helped recruit Zion. Then he got the pit job and he had to face Zion. Then Shire recruited the likes of these players that have come later, like a Vernon Carey, Jalen Johnson this past year, DJ Stewart. I don't think it's true that he was the top guy for Tatum and also for Zion. I am wearing my Zions today. That's just a mere coincidence, though. Just like it's a coincidence we're having Spatola on 
I don't know. I think we were going to talk NBA or something like that, and then this news drops. Let's go to Joey and Thomasville before I get to my thoughts on Shire. Also a North Carolina fan. If you were in the Smith Center when Duke, when if when Coach K visits the Smith Center for the final time, are you cheering or are you booing, Joey? Wow, man, that, that's a doggone good question because I mean I think K would almost expect the boos, you know, as a sign of like a kind of respect. I, I think I would have to actually stand up and clap for him. Um, you know, he's meant a lot uh, to the rivalry. He's meant a lot to uh, college basketball. And, you know, I'll give him all the respect in the world. I'll say that, uh, you know, he is one of the best. You know, as a Carolina fan, I still put Dean up there as the GOAT. However, one of the things I want to point out, now this is coming from a Carolina fan, so I've got to stir things up a little bit. The difference between Coach K and, say, Roy and Dean, Roy and Dean went out class acts without fanfare and all of that. I just don't like K, you know, hey, I'm going to have a farewell tour so that everybody can laud all over me, everybody can shower me with gifts, everybody can give me all this attention, and it's all about K this year instead of the team. Can I play devil's advocate on that, though? You let me know if this is valid, Joey. Do you think this is more about the recruits that might be coming to Duke next year? If, you, if, if you're going to Duke, you're wanting to play for Mike Krzyzewski. This is more letting them know Hey, if you're going to commit, you have the option to come to Duke, and you know who you and you know you're going to be coached by John Shire, or you could choose to play somewhere else. You know, as a Carolina fan, I want to say, nah. <laughs> there you go. Go out on that <laughs> I'm note. Gonna say, I'm going to say he's making it all about him. <laughs> there you go. Go out on that note. That's a perfect Ooh, way right. to go out. That's Joey in Thomasville. <laughs> uh, this is going to be a fun show today. We'll get to more of your calls at 336-777-1600. And I'll tell you why. I was puzzled by the Shire piece of this today. I promise you nothing more than honesty on this show. Even if at times it might ruffle feathers at some of the administrations, at some of the schools, some of the programs. The Shire piece here, it really does puzzle me. And I'll tell you why. Next on The Drive. Microphone. Check, check. All right, ready? Here we go again. This is The Drive with Josh Graham on WSJS Sports. Former Coach K assistant, ESPN college basketball analyst Chris Spatola joining us now. So let me start here before we start diving into Coach K's legacy. You mentioned with us a few months ago, you would not have been shocked if Coach K retired sooner rather than later. You said that college sports is changing dynamic, is something that factored in with Kevin White, probably with John Swafford as well, and you said a name to consider would be Tommy Amaker to potentially be the successor, and we saw today that Duke apparently reached out to Amaker. Shire seems like he's going to be the candidate uh, that Duke's going to hire to succeed Mike Krzyzewski. So let me ask you this, Chris Patola, right from the jump. When did you get an inkling, given your relationship with Coach K, that this is something that was going to happen? Yeah, it's it's been talked about a little bit uh, within the, the, the family, Josh. Um, you know, you, obviously you don't come to a decision like this lightly. lightly and, and I think, you know, there's a lot of factors at play. Um, I, I think he... You know, look, he, he's gotten to a point where he's done it a long time. And, you know, I think he felt like the, the program w- was in a, in a position uh, structurally um, where he, he felt comfortable, you know, I think stepping away. Um, and, you know, look, last season didn't go as well as, as they had hoped. Uh, certainly Duke not making the tournament is, is historically not very good relative to the program that, that he has built there. So, you know, I think there was a desire certainly to come back and coach another year. Um, but he was really, really, what was really important to him, Josh, was, you know, how to handle recruiting and, and how to, can you, can you go into homes, especially if this is on your mind, if it's a spur of the moment thing, if it's uh, after a season, I, I don't want to do this anymore, then obviously that's a different decision vis-a-vis recruits. But you know, when, when it's a decision that he has been mulling here for some time, 
Um, I think he wanted to set it, 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 the situation up where he could afford recruits the opportunity of that knowledge, you know, that, that hey, I am not going to be here after next season. Um, so I think that was kind of what they were considering and, and weighing. Um, but, yeah, we, we've known about it a, a little while here, and not that he had reached a final conclusion, but I think over the last couple of days he, he got to that point. And, um, you know, and he's, he's ready to call it quits after, uh, after next season. Chris Patola with us here on WSJS Sports. I've called him the greatest basketball coach, college or pro, that we've seen in the last 40 years, certainly in the modern era of college basketball with the field expanding to 64 back in 1985. How far would you have to go to start fearing overstatement when talking about Kay's legacy? Yeah, I mean, look, he, he's the best to ever do it. And, you know, people can say whatever they want about my bias, uh, and I certainly am. Uh, but I, I think I have covered now college basketball as, as a media member and as an analyst for – uh, almost a decade, and, and objectively, uh, he, what he has done is is exceptional. And, and I think it's it's remarkable. You know, you go back through his lineage, Josh. You know, he he played for uh, and worked for Coach Bobby Knight at a time, you know, when when Coach K was getting into coaching. But he obviously played for him. And then, um, you know, when you look at sort of how it ended for Coach Knight and the inability to adapt, the inability to to reach, you know. Uh, generations that would, uh, you know, come down the line. I, I think one of the remarkable things about Coach K out of all the success, Josh, is the ability to maintain success for as long as he has. Uh, you know, set aside the five national championships that span, you know, several decades. Forget, uh, you know, forget the all-time wins and all of that, which are certainly part of, of his, his narrative and, and his, his story um, but the fact that he was able to do it uh, as, you know, eras have changed and, and he's been able to figure out, um, you know, ways in which to not only involve his program, but the way that, that his teams play, the way that he recruits, obviously getting into the one-and-done era, uh, his ability to then transition to being the Olympic coach and, and how do I coach that team. Um, his ability to adapt is, is one of the most, I think, remarkable things about his career, and it's one of the ways that you establish longevity uh, in a business that doesn't always – it just isn't there. You know, it's very unique. So, um, it, it's look, we're going to have enough time to contextualize his career, but, but I think in the broad strokes, he, he is the best to ever do it. Um, and I, I don't think, you know, obviously John Wooden and, and what he did is, is in that conversation, but the way in which Coach K did it uh, and to do it at the level he did it for as long as he did it, I think stands, you know, stands alone. You were a part of the staff for the 2008 Beijing Olympics, the redeemed team with LeBron, Kobe, and company. How did K approach coaching those guys differently than what you saw at Duke? It was tone, Josh. It was, you know, his tone. Um, you know, the way that he would react to something negative that a Duke player did. And, you know, in terms of, you know, his yelling at them or how demanding or punishment related to uh, a mistake that his Duke player made, it was different with the NBA guys. You know, you couldn't talk to them that way. And so what does that mean? Like, how do I get my message across? You know, his values never changed with, with whether it was his Duke guys or, or the NBA guys with the Olympics, but his tone did and how he expressed those values and then tried to extract that value system out of those NBA players. You had to do it differently, and he was able to figure that out. And it, it I mean, it took time. You know, it, it didn't, I mean, it spanned three Olympics and world championships and qualifiers and all of that and, and a loss, you know, a loss in that first year to Greece. It took all of that to get to that place, but um, his ability to coach those NBA guys, I mean, we always said it when we were there with him, you know, me, Wojo, and Chris Collins, and just how different he was, but how effective that difference made him, both with his Duke team and, and with the NBA guys. Chris Spatola with us here on WSJS Sports. Will Coach K get cheered in the Smith Center? You know what? I think he will, man. I, I do. I, you know, I don't know exactly what it's going to look like. Um, you know, I don't know if a farewell tour is exactly 
I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing, but I, I do think uh, places he goes will give him his due. And, and I certainly think uh, Chapel Hill will, will do it in their own way. I think it will be unique. I think they're still going to want to bludgeon him on the floor. Uh, but but I, I think that um, that fan base will rise to the occasion. I, I know that um, in, in their own unique way. Um, and, and by the way, I think in part because they've just gone through this. I mean, it's remarkable that, you know, 10 miles apart, uh, not only are they 10 miles apart, but they are months apart from, you know, announcing retirement, albeit a year away from Coach K's. I, I just think the synergy between these programs uh, is a lot tighter and a lot closer than people want to want to admit. I've got to ask about Shire, though. You coached him. You spent time with John uh, as an analyst as well, covering Duke. If that was the choice, would it surprise you? It wouldn't surprise me. No, I mean, I, I think, you know, I, Coach K loves him. I, I do know that. Um, I, not that that's necessarily his choice, but um, I, I know that, that John has is, is certainly put in his time. Um, I mean, you and I have talked about – I get obviously asked about this frequently, and, and you and I have talked about successor, and, you know, I have never said John's name. That doesn't mean I don't think he's qualified. I just – you know, I think there are other Duke guys out there in the coaching space that uh, I thought might get a look. Uh, I certainly thought, Josh, that they would go through a process of um, of interviewing, much like North Carolina did. Like, I thought the way in which Carolina handled it, uh, even if Hubert was, you know, the leader for that position, uh, I thought the way in which Carolina went about it was, was terrific. And I thought it gave, it gave due to others who might be in that conversation of the next Carolina head coach. Um, that said, you know, obviously – you know, Coach K w- would have an opinion on it. I'm sure Kevin White uh, and the fact that he is still the AD. Remember, I know Nina King's coming in, but Kevin White's still the AD. And so there may have been, you know, a part of the program in Kevin White that said, look, this is too big a hire. Let's, let's get this done prior to me stepping down as the AD um, and let's go in that direction. So I think John would be great. I coached John. I was on staff when, when we won the national championship, and John was a captain on that team. Uh, I think he'd be a terrific head coach, and I think he's going to be. Uh, I think he's going to be a terrific head coach. He's he's done a terrific job as an assistant. What's next for Coach K? Is he just focusing on family, or do you see him pursuing a star of college basketball type of role, or maybe trying to take over the sports radio space? I don't think sports radio's in the cards. Uh, if I'm, uh, God bless him. He loves his show. And, and I've I talked to him about it. I don't. I don't think. Uh, I don't think audiences want to hear Coach K uh, doing talk radio. <laughs> to be honest, but um, yeah, I don't know. It's a great question, and that's never really come up in conversations I'd, I've had with him, Josh. The thing I will say though, it's never been a concern for him. Like everybody, you know, has an opinion on well, he doesn't have hobbies or. You know, he doesn't do this or he doesn't do that. What's he going to do? Believe me, like in the off season, he makes a lot of money speaking. Uh, I would imagine speaking engagements and talking to different groups is going to it's going to take up a lot of his time. Um, I, I know my grandkids are hoping that, or his grandkids, my my kids and uh, my my nieces and nephews are hoping that uh, they they have their grandfather in their lives, perhaps even more than they have. Not that they haven't, but. Um, I'm sure he'll have a good, uh, not a hard time filling uh, the space in, in the void of time. Uh, I know his wife has been looking forward to it. His wife, Mickey, has been looking forward to it. Uh, and they have a lot of money to be able to, uh, to to give them some access to some really nice ways to spend that time. So uh, I'm sure he'll find a way to do it. I just, uh, to be candid, I don't know what it is yet. When's the last time you spoke to him? Well, you know what, uh, we texted on Memorial Day, so that was, it was not a phone call. Uh, we text back and forth. He and I always text each other, Veterans Day, Memorial Day, uh, on those days. So we, we texted. Um, we were, you, you know, again, this conversation came up. Uh, I was not necessarily deep in, in that. It's a, it was a family conversation between he and his, his wife and daughters, but um, he and I spoke around where this was, was becoming a real thing. Um, just to kind of, you know, what do you think? Uh, kind of a di- kind of a discussion. Uh, so that was that was a couple weeks ago. But um, we don't speak frequently. You know, we we see each other. We'll see each other here over the summer uh, for you know for gatherings and whatnot. But um, but he, he did. He texted. We texted back and forth the other day on Memorial Day. 
just a couple of Army guys cutting it up. Chris Bethola no with us here from ESPN. Appreciate you spending the time as always. I know it's been a busy day, and um, we'll catch up somewhere down the line. All right, Josh. You're the best, buddy. Thank you. That's Chris Patola, former Duke assistant, joining us on WSJS Sports. Your calls, your thoughts, welcome. 336-777-1600 on Coach K retiring after this next basketball season. That's next on The Drive. What? 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 This is wrong. You shut up! You're on The Drive with Josh Graham on WSJS Sports. It's Hayward pulling it down, getting around Zubac at midcourt, launches the shot, oh, and almost went in! The Duke is the king of the dance, 2010! That was one of the national title calls for Coach K. Five of them in whole. The most national title wins in the modern era of college basketball. Now, where's that cutoff line? I think it's fair to put it 1985 when the tournament expanded to 64 teams. And I think I started thinking about how far would be overstatement when talking about Coach K's legacy. The same question I asked when it came to Roy Williams when he announced his retirement a couple of months ago. And I it was very difficult to try and parse Roy's career side by side with Dean Smith's. But when it comes to Kay, I you can make the argument, in fact, I believe this, that he is the greatest basketball coach of all time, college or pro. And here's the case. The numbers back it up on the college end. All-time wins leader, that includes a man named John Wooden. More national titles in the modern era of college basketball. So you're talking about the field of 64. He won five. The only coach I think that won, the only other coach that won three, as far as I, ones that come to the top of my head, is Roy Williams winning three with North Carolina, but nobody's won five since 1985. The only coach that's won more national titles altogether is Wooden with his 11, of course. Then you consider what he did with the Olympic team, winning three gold medals. And if you think that's an easy task, oh, Josh, anybody would have won with those teams. The Americans have always had more talent than the other countries, but that doesn't mean coaching doesn't matter. Ask Larry Brown with the 2004 Olympics disaster in Greece. Coach K, I think his greatest trait is going to be the type of, of adjuster he is. Not just in-game, albeit he was pretty darn good at that. He's the greatest adapter in the history of basketball coaching. And that's how you get to a place where you can coach 40 years and still be at the top of your game recruiting-wise and be competitive year to year. That's an impressive deal. That's what did most of these coaches in. Roy Williams, he didn't want to adapt anymore. He pushed against NIL and one-time transfers. Actually, I don't think he pushed so strongly on NIL, but he definitely pushed against the one-time transfers and many of these changes that we've seen, citing his old-school mentality, which mirrored his mentor, Dean Smith. That's never the way Kay has been. That's why I don't buy the nonsense that NIL and the one-time transfer sped up the process of Kay deciding he wanted to retire. It probably had a lot to do with Kevin White, the person that he was incredibly close with, his boss since 2008, decided he was going to retire this summer. And I think he had a general idea when he was going to retire when he decided he wasn't going to coach the 2020 Olympic team. 2016 was going to be his last Olympics as the USA basketball coach. He just, he might have retired sooner if the seasons had ended better, 28, uh, 2020, you didn't have March Madness. That didn't seem like a good time to step away. Last year, he didn't make the tournament, didn't qualify for a tournament for the first time since 1995. You can't go out that way either. He's the greatest adapter in the history of coaching, being able to recruit the way that Calipari's recruited over the last decade and to do it better than Calipari did and to win different ways before that. Every year, he'd bring in different kinds of talent with different types of rosters, and he'd find a way to adapt a style to the personnel versus the other way around. 
He didn't recruit to a system. He created a system based on the personnel he had, and it changed year to year. That's an incredibly impressive thing that he did, and it's why I believe the track record is good enough where you can justify he is the greatest basketball coach, and it's not an overstatement to say this, college or pro. 336-777-1600 being the number. Let's go to Mark in Greensboro. So Coach K, he's retiring after next season. How far would you go, or do you have to go, to fear overstatement when you're talking about K's legacy? I think you can call him one of the greatest coaches of all time because that's clear. But I don't adhere to the, the the notion that he's this great adjuster. I mean, all you have to do is look at the Zion here. He had three of the top ten picks in the NBA draft. They only made the Sweet 16. Uh, the Elite Eight. They, you know they lost by a point in the pardon Elite Eight. Me. Pardon me. Pardon me. You had, you had one of the greatest general generational talents in the history of time on your team. And you didn't win a national title there. That, to me, is a huge, huge mark on his legacy in terms of, you know, if you're adjusting to this era and you have one of the greatest recruiting classes of, of all time. I mean, R.J. Barrett is a, star, is a star in the NBA right now. He may not be what everyone wants him to be, but he's a very good player on a playoff team, and Zion is unbelievable. I actually so, believe it would probably be more damning. Like, if I'm going to play this route, if you're going to criticize the talent and what he did with the talent – March Madness, it could be random when you're talking about a single elimination tournament. It is kind of crazy, if I'm thinking out loud, that Duke has not won the ACC regular season with all the talent they've had since John Shire was playing for the team in 2010. That's yeah, kind of I mean, crazy. Listen, no, I, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that. Like, I, I'm not a, I'm, I used to be a big-time Duke hater uh, when Christian Leitner beat my UConn Huskies in 1990. But you know what? It's just more about, I just look at his legacy, and I don't think of consider him the greatest of all time based off of the last decade. I mean, Duke won a national championship in 2010. That might have been the easiest group of games they've ever had to play with those six titles, that six-game stretch where they won in 2010. Um, and after that, you know, not much. You know what well, I mean? Well, won a I mean, title in 15, too. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I, just, I just don't, I don't, I, I'll tell you right now, who, who do you consider to be the greatest? Like, because we can put stats go, and stats side by side, but I mean, it's really go, a field thing. Who do you go with? You got to go Wooden, man. I mean, no, I know it's a different era, but it's like how people, you know, discount Kareem Abdul-Jabbar being not being the greatest, you know, basketball player of all time. In my opinion, he is. I mean, you can't you can't discount a guy just because he played in a different era. You know what I mean? So I, that that would be my pick. But I think I, I would feel like the most underrated guy in K's era. Obviously, I'm a homer, but Jim Calhoun was, I mean, beat him in the Final Four twice. Okay, I will, um, won, you know what, three Mark, Mark, I'm willing to bend on something. I think comparing eras probably isn't the greatest thing to do. So I'll be really, I'd be willing to fold the point of saying the greatest of all time, albeit there is a case you can make that he is, and just say simply, in the modern era of college basketball, since 1985, Coach K is the best coach in college basketball. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I, I could I could potentially give you that. And, and I, my my dislike of them, and I'll even give you a one more, is that, you know, of course he's not retiring now. He wants to go out and go to every arena and have him kiss his ring and, you know, try to go out on top, all that crap. So I, I'm, I'm not a big fan of the guy, you know, but, you know, personally I'm sure he's great. But just I just think that decision shows – a level of arrogance that is at the highest of levels. Yeah, you could see it both ways. Thank you for the call, Mark. I, you, what you're pointing out, I understand that argument. I understand the other side of it, that and he can't in good faith recruit players this summer to come to Duke without telling them, hey, I'm not going to be there next year. And if you do tell them that, then that's going to get out. So I don't, I don't think it's a coincidence this news drops the day after the recruiting cycle, the dead period that's been hanging over the NCAA and all the coaches finally lifted and you can have players visit it, visiting your campuses. I don't think it's a coincidence with the timing of that that this news drops. I think really it's about recruiting. But that's one side of it, and I can understand the other side as well. Here's what I want to discuss with David Glenn. John Shire being the choice. Is it, should we be surprised by this? What do we make of it? 
founder of accsports.com and the ACC Sports Journal. North Carolina sports media legend as well. Haven't talked to this guy on air in a very long time. DG will be here next. What's up? What's up? What none of you wants to admit is that the kid is good. You're on The Drive with Josh Graham on WSJS Sports. Is this Jimmy Buffett? I, I have not played this since last time. It's fitting that we have Jimmy Buffett playing because our next guest is a parrot head, maybe the most notable parrot head in the state of North Carolina, longtime sports media legend in the state of North Carolina. Uh, it's David Glenn joining us, the founder of the ACC Sports Journal, my good buddy. Coach K, he's looking for one last cruise at Duke, going to be replaced by John Shire, according to many of these reports I'm seeing. If we're going to start with the Coach K point on this, when I'm looking at the state of North Carolina and the sports scene we have here, college basketball reigns supreme, and when we look at what matters most in our state in terms of particular matchups from a national perspective, it's Duke Carolina. It might be our state's crown jewel from a sports perspective. It attracts presidents. It, it attracts celebrities. And anytime those two get together, regardless of the records and how teams are doing, that's a matchup that's really significant. I went back through the history of this rivalry. DG, I'm not sure if you know this, but the last time there was not a Hall of Famer coaching on either sideline for Duke, North Carolina, you'd have to go back to 1951. 70 years I, ago. I, I knew it was way before I was born. Yeah. Frank McGuire <laughs> crazy was in the Hall of Fame, gets into the Hall of Fame for what he did at South Carolina and North Carolina and other things as well. He's a Hall of Famer 70-plus years, DG. I think it's fair to say that when Coach K decides to hang it up a year from now, that this rivalry is probably never going to be the same again when you consider that history and who's going to be stepping in the lack of experience on both sidelines as head coaches and also just the changing framework of college basketball. Yeah, Josh, you raise a great question on a day like this because what makes a great rivalry, right? It's not just one thing. I mean, part of Duke Carolina is that they happen to be both blue blood programs. That's not going to change. Part of Duke Carolina is that they're only eight miles apart. That's not going to change. In all likelihood, they're still going to have a bunch of great players. That's not going to change. But how will the transition go from Roy Williams to Hubert Davis? How will the transition go a year from now from Mike Krzyzewski to John Shire? We don't know the answers to that. John Shire and Hubert Davis are absolutely beloved by those fan bases and by the coaches that preceded them. There's no doubt about that. But what were the odds that two of the greatest programs in the history of college basketball within a few months of each other would both hand the keys to men who have never been Division I varsity head coaches before? And with that uncertainty comes the uncertainty at least about that branch of the rivalry. Those other parts of the rivalry ain't going away. The fans' passion is not going to just disappear. But if the teams are not as great as consistently as they have been for much of that half-century plus you described, well, of course, you know, the, the, the rivalry can sag a little bit. Yankees-Red Sox is always a great rivalry, but it's not always the best rivalry, right? It's best when they're both great at the same time. And, man, we've been through a lot of years where Duke and Carolina were at least good at the same time and often great at the same time. In college basketball, what is the best example of somebody su succeeding a legend and having success? Because Kentucky and North Carolina in recent decades both needed saving. Roy Williams from Matt Doherty and Kentucky, they didn't really get it right fully and get the train back on the tracks until John Calipari took over. But in football, Alabama, Florida State, Look where Florida State is right now, probably the best example. There's, there aren't a lot of great examples of coaches being able to take the keys and continuing to maintain success. Is there a good one I'm not thinking of? 
Well, if you go all the way back to one you already mentioned, right, Dean Smith taking over for Frank McGuire, that one worked out really, really well. Yes, it did. And there are other good examples, but they're the exceptions, right? You know, remember years ago, and you and I have been, we've known each other long enough that we can remember there was, heck, a year or three ago, Jeff Capel was considered the most likely successor to Mike Krzyzewski, but he has not done well at Pitt. There was a time where Chris Collins took Northwestern to the first NCAA tournament in the history of that school. And you thought, well, I wonder if Collins, a former Duke player, a former K assistant, could be the guy. When Wojo took the Marquette job, Steve Wojciechowski, you didn't know how that would go. When Tommy Amaker has success at Harvard, his name comes into the conversation. When he did not do well at Michigan, his name fell out of the conversation. Same with Johnny Dawkins and, and you know Bobby Hurley and all the other names that we could throw in there. I remember talking to Doug Collins, father of Chris Collins, and a former NBA great, an Olympic great, yeah. and a former coach himself, and he, he brought up that old line, you never want to be the guy to follow the guy. You, don't, you want to be the guy that follows the guy who follows the legend. And he said that about his, his, his advice to his own son was, man, you don't want to be the guy right after Coach K. Now, that's a moot point now because John Shire is the guy, but it is a reminder that you can be smart and John Shire is a good recruiter and Kay loves him in part because, you know, he was that heady, hard-working point guard. Of Kay's five NCAA title teams, four were overflowing with talent. John Shire was the point guard on the one NCAA title team that was not overflowing with talent compared to the usual Duke standards. So he has a special place in Kay's heart for many different reasons. But that doesn't mean he's guaranteed to be a success story, just like Hubert Davis has no such guarantee at Carolina eight miles down the road. It's David Glenn with us here, founder of the ACC Sports Journal and accsports.com right here on WSJS Sports. So we can have that debate talking about John Shire versus many of these other candidates. Johnny Dawkins, another name that comes to mind. Johnny's actually going to be a guest with us on tomorrow's show. But John Shire not having any head coaching experience, I find that to be very interesting, just like I did when it came to Hubert Davis. Even more confusing to me, though, is the timing of having to announce this almost jointly with Coach K stepping away. These two things coming together, I don't really get why Duke has to pick Coach K's successor now instead of going through what seems to be a more thorough process. What do you think? I think there are two key factors that you possibly brought up before I joined you, and it all has to do with timing. One, the universally respected veteran athletic director, Kevin White, has announced that his retirement is this coming August. If this search went all the way to next spring, a young, inexperienced athletic director at Duke, they've already named Nina King, that would be one heck of a grenade to inherit. You, you have to replace arguably the greatest college basketball coach of all time. And no matter what you would do in the next two or 10 or 50 years as Duke's athletic director, you would be judged most by your decision to, to, to name Coach K's successor. Now, this is off of her plate. It's much more of a Kevin White slash Mike Shashevsky decision. And that, so that timing is much better the way they've, they've done it today. The other part is keep in mind, Josh, that all of these college coaches right now are mostly done with the rosters for the coming season, but they're already recruiting players for the following season. If the, those t- class of 22 or 23 recruits don't know who Duke, Duke's coach is going to be, well, then whoever would get the job a year from now would have missed out on 12 months' worth of recruiting, and that would, that would tie John Shire's hands if he got the job a year from now. Doing it this way, as recruiting ramps up on those rising high school seniors, it takes away the uncertainty factor that has hovered over a lot of aging coaches and really complicated the succession plan. So I I feel your need to have a broad-based search the way I think any bellwether program should do it. But I think those are two big reasons why Duke chose this timetable. Where should Duke play and who should they play 
for the ACC Big Ten Challenge. Send them, mm. send them to College Park. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> that's a great idea, man. I like the way, that's like the evil genius part of Josh oh. Graham coming out right there. Oh. That's brilliant. And how about this, given the way your wheels turn? Could that Duke Carolina game to uh-huh. end his final, se- his final regular season uh-huh. at Cameron, given the nature of that rivalry and his GOAT status, and given the small size of that arena, Oh. Where you and I and many others in our industry have been asked ad infinitum to you know help our buddy get free tickets. Oh, to what game? And you're thinking, just don't say Duke Carolina in Cameron Indoor Stadium. Right, right. And of course, that's what they usually say. Could that be the highest price ticket in the history of regular season college basketball? Because Goodness. I don't think it's a stretch to say it will be. Well, I remember being there. It was actually my first Duke Carolina game for the Zion game, where President Obama was there, Spike yep. Lee, and everything. And I, I went around asking fans what they paid for the tickets. And the cheapest one I heard somebody say was ten grand. So wow. I'm trying to figure out what it might... Man, for Coach K's final game against Carolina at camp, that's I can't even fathom it. And what? with a great team in all likelihood. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So that's, that's a pretty good one you throw at me there. <laughs> That's pretty good. You, you brought it today. We we might that uh might not, that might not be as good as your Duke Maryland idea. I like that. <laughs> you know, I I already know they're not going to do it. Like Coach K, somebody's going to figure out a way to weasel their way out of sending K to College Park one more time. It would be great even if Maryland went to Cameron Indoor. I would love just to see that match at one more time. I got a feeling it's probably going to be. Duke facing Michigan State. You got Izzo versus K or something like that. Michigan's supposed to be really good next year with Juwan Howard. It's probably going to be something like that. But I, selfishly speaking, I know there's some bad feelings between Duke and Maryland, and I would love for K to have to go to College Park one last time. I'm with you. I, I want Gary Williams hovering somewhere oh. in the neighborhood while that happens, too, oh. just for old time's sake. That's fantastic. DG, it's also fantastic to have you on the show. It's good to hear your voice, and I hope you're having a lovely cruise. I know you're on vacation to spend the time with us here. You're on a trip. Yeah, man, I'm, uh, I'm at the National Aquarium in Baltimore, so it's truly a lovely cruise in that sense. <laughs> All the sharks and reptiles and fish send their regards. Yeah, tell Gary Williams I said hello. Uh, it's good. We'll, we'll do. It's good to have you, man. Good to hear from you. Hey, thanks for the call, man. Glad we could kind of celebrate this momentous occasion together. Yeah, you and I both. He's on Twitter at David Glenn Show. Shoot him a follow there. It's DG joining us on WSJS Sports. Before we get to take it to the house, I don't mean to dampen things a bit. We can get to your calls. We can get to the last call for phone calls at three three six seven 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 one six hundred on the topic of Coach K retiring a year from now. But somebody we've had on the show literally dozens of times passed away this morning, surprisingly, at the age of 63 years old, our friend Rick Bennell, um, who was survived by a couple of kids, died in his home. He was found earlier this week. Scott Fowler wrote a really kind and... I think, accurate story to describe who Rick was. It's just very strange to use his name in past tense, but Rick Bennell, in my interactions with him, I was always taken aback by how much it mattered to him. The it being North Carolina sports journalism the North Carolina sports media scene. He divide he devoted his life to North Carolina sports. It just wasn't it wasn't just the Hornets here where he was there since the very beginning documenting Charlotte Hornets basketball, covering Gap State, covering ACC functions. I've seen him the last time I saw him was in the press box at a Wake Forest football game. It wasn't just his job, it was his passion where when we had discussions about sports media and he would come on our show, he'd always point out very specific things that we do on the show that distinguish, say, what we do versus other radio shows out there. Saying, like, 
you know, I appreciated this question. This was fascinating. This was interesting. He was always seeking out different things and finding intriguing conversation and intriguing angles. He's not the guy punching the clock, waiting for the day to end. No, he's the person that is so passionate about what he did, so proud of what he was doing, that he was always trying to get better and to let you know when you were doing something well. So quick. There aren't many people out there, especially in this industry, that are quick to give you a compliment. Always looking to go out of their way to give you a compliment. Rick Bennell was that type of person. You know there's an expression out there, real recognizes real. Whenever something happens around the Hornets or around Michael Jordan's career, there's always the story from Rick that has an exclusive interview from Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan trusted Rick Bennell. Think about how hard that is to do in the media space when you were not someone who got to know Michael very early on in his career. Michael actually put out a statement today wanting to let people know he was thinking about the passing of Rick Bennell, saying, quote, I'm very sad to learn about Rick's passing. Rick was a staple at Hornets games dating back to my playing days at the old Charlotte Coliseum. He prided himself on being fair and honest in his reporting, and I truly respected that about him. Rick became the source for Hornets news in Charlotte, which speaks to his talent and professionalism. The Hornets family will miss Rick's friendly face at our games. I send my condolences to his family and friends. One of the things he got a kick about, because we had him on right after this happened and we talked to him about it, we were all locked down during the pandemic and all we had was the Jordan documentary series to fuel this machine of 24-hour sports. And there was a shot during the 98 playoffs when the Hornets faced the Bulls where Michael was sitting at his locker and he was reading a Charlotte Observer. It became very clear, though. The shot was so zoomed in, Robert, you could see the byline of the story that he was reading. It was Rick's. And I remember Rick really enjoyed that. He's going to be missed. Um, just encyclopedic knowledge and terrific passion for what he did. Rick Bennell, dead at 63 years old. Rest in peace.